Well, this month we're talking about the importance of remembering the past. I know some of us have things in our past we don't want to remember. Even in those cases, there are some often some lessons we can learn, and we, we want to remember those lessons and allow them to teach us and help us today and going forward. But the Bible teaches there are things in the past that we need to remember because they can encourage us. And they can inspire us today and tomorrow. For instance, last Sunday we observed the Come and Loaf Lord's Supper and just a beautiful, beautiful worship experience. Wasn't it a great time to be with the Lord worshiping last week? Yeah. Um, and Jesus said we do that. Why? To remember Him. And it, it encourages us in our faith when we remember His love and His sacrifice today. I want us to think about the importance of remembering what God has done in our lives in the past the way he showed up, all the things he's done for us in the past so we can remember that, hey, he did it once, he can do it again. Because sometimes we get discouraged when we look at the circumstances around us or we, we, we get in a rut spiritually and we don't think anything can be different or changed. And God says, hey, remember, remember, I, I've done great things in your life in the past. Will you let me do it again? I, um, I have a painting here. Uh, this this has very little monetary value. Uh, it was painted by a lady named Ann Collins. She was in her 70s at the time, just an amateur painter. Um, she gave this to me and Monisa as a gift back in the early 80s. And this this hangs in our house, and practically every day I see this, and I remember. Because this is a painting of the first church I ever pastored. I was 19 years old when that little, it was a mission at the time when they called me as, as pastor. And I was there for six and a half years while I was finishing college and, and all the way through seminary. In fact, I was pastor when we moved into this building. Had our first service on Christmas Day. It was on Sunday in 1977. And I never will forget that. And we, we had about 130 people that Sunday morning in our first service in this new and this new church building. First time I ever baptized anybody was in this church. Her, her name was Nanny, Nanny Holbrook. She was in her 70s. We baptized six that day. And the youngest was a, a teenage girl named Cora. Cora must have been triple jointed. Because when I bent her backwards, she bent like a rubber band and her belly never went under the water. Never will forget that. I, I, I still laugh every time I think about that all these years, all these years uh, later. The first time I ever, you know, was the pastor when we observed Lord's Supper was in this church. And I could, I could share story after story after story. The truth is, practically every Sunday and many Sunday nights for six and a half years, uh, I preached there. When I graduated seminary, I had more experience preaching than most guys who've been out of seminary a few years. I started preaching when I was 17. And uh, I remember there was an old timer in my home church one Sunday night I was speaking to him. He was one of these, old, one of these older lay preachers, okay? And uh, he gave me some really sage advice. I still remember standing in the aisle on a Sunday night talking to him. And he said, Steve, I was, I was about 18 at the time. He said, every time you get an opportunity to preach, take it. And I preached, to, I preached in churches where there were, one Sunday we had seven people, okay, seven people. And I preached to much larger crowds. And, 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 and so God used that to train me, to prepare me. I don't think, 
I would be here today if not for the opportunity and the privilege God gave me in that little church for six and a half years. And so when I'm walking through our house and I see this, it's one of my Bethels. If you know Scripture, you know what I'm saying. It's one of those moments in the past that's important in my life, and it, it encourages me and helps me in the future. And God says, you, you need, you need to have those things in life, those markers, those moments when you look back and you remember what I did. Not because that's where I want you to live. That day is past. But I want you to remember what I did so you can trust me to do something new today and tomorrow. Sometimes when I go to Kentucky to visit family, uh, that church is, is not on my direct path. But sometimes I'll drive out of my way just to go by and take a quick look and remember. I want you to open your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and see what God says about the importance of remembering what He has done in your life in the past so you can be more obedient today than perhaps you are being today. Now the context for the passage we're going to study is there's a group of believers, they're saved, they're believers, and they got off to a great start. I mean, when they were young believers, they were faithful. In fact, they, they were faithful through persecution. We'll see some of that in a minute. And they, they, they were a great example of being obedient even under hard circumstances. But as time passed, they became stagnant. They stopped growing. They stopped making progress. Some of them even started pulling back. Not only were they not growing, they were going backwards, and some of them were in danger of completely abandoning the faith. And God said to them, as a way of sparing them on, as a way of inspiring them, of getting their attention so that they can realize great things can happen again spiritually in their lives today, God said, I want you to remember I want you to remember what happened in the past. Look with me in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 32. Let's stand in honor of God's word as we read together, please. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. Words are also in your notes and on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Hebrews 10, 32. He says, but remember the former days. Remember the past. When after being enlightened, after you became a believer... You endured a great conflict of suffering. Now he describes some of that suffering. Verse 33, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers in, with those who were so treated, identifying with them, helping them. Verse 34, for you showed sympathy to the prisoners, those who were thrown in jail for the faith. <clears throat> and you accepted joyfully the seizure of your property knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, because of that, do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your faith. You need to be stronger today than you've ever been in the past. For verse 36, you have need, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, 
you may receive what was promised. Thank you, and you can be seated. Now, I'm going to be kind of quick because I have two guests with us today that I want you to hear from as part of the sermon. But the first thing I want you to see is that God is teaching us to, to, to take our past and allow the past and what he's done in the past in our lives to motivate us today and tomorrow. The past can be a beautiful thing. Not if it's where you live, but if it's where you find inspiration for being obedient today. That's what he's talking about in verse 32 because they were about to give up. They, they were going through hard times again. And he said, don't you remember what happened the last time? And how God strengthened you and you were faithful and, and you had all this joy in the midst of it, but now you're just kind of ho-hum. You, you've lost your joy. You've lost your energy. You've lost your confidence. You've lost your passion. You've lost your faith. Look back and remember what it was like. Do you, do you remember what happened and how you failed? Remember your salvation. Remember the love and support you you gave one another. Re remember those moments when you saw the hand of God in your life. Those, those seasons when you were faithful and when you were growing. And re remember how good it was and how you failed and, and how you enjoyed that and all the things you learned. And so I want us to remember what it's like to be saved. I'm asking Susan, who was up here a moment ago to join me on the stage now, she uh, serves with um, Operation Christmas Child, and I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to give her a moment to uh, just share her story. Come on up, Susan, her, her salvation. And while she's doing that, listen, but also remember your story. And if you don't have a story, ask yourself, why don't I have a story? Um, I have to confess I haven't told my salvation story to a group this large, so you'll have to bear with me. Um, when I was three, my parents uh, went through an awful divorce, and my sister and I were taken to the Lakota Indian Reservation. We're not Indian, <laughs> but it was a place where my mother um, hid with her new boyfriend. They, it was a biker commune, and they trafficked drugs, amongst other things, with Mexican Vikings. And I'm not going to go into great detail because in your mind you know what happens in places like that to small children. Um, at some point, two rival gangs were battling for control, and my sister and I were taken by the other side and we were locked in a barn for X amount of money which my grandparents paid and that's how we came back to New York um, to live with my father who had remarried he had started over he had other children and we were there and my new stepmother was less than kind. There are scars that you endure that never show on your body. 
had to live with the shame of what our mother had done and the shame of my father's divorce. We lived in a very small town, and it was almost as if the town had divided, and some took my father's side, and some had taken my mother's side. We were isolated because of everybody had an opinion. We were children. There was no place for us. I weep because I think of all the hurting children that go through these things. Because my saving grace was my grandmother. And while she couldn't protect us every day, she took us every weekend. And she was our other parent. And she would impart great wisdom and grace. And she had two records that she listened to all the time. One was Billy Graham. The other was Wayne Newton. <laughs> I'm not sure how they go together, but they do. <laughs> Loved Wayne Newton. But um, growing up, I had no value. I was tainted because of the divorce. I was tainted because of where we live. I was tainted because of everything that went with that, through no fault of my own. My husband and I got married, and he was transferred to Monroe, uh, North Carolina. And I had not gone to church. We were not, obviously, we were isolated. They did not want us out in the public where we would tell people what really, truly was going on. And um, I just remember coming to Monroe and passing West Monroe Baptist Church and saying, you know, we're going to take the kids there. And God just really laid on my heart that I needed to be in church. And that Sunday that I gave my life to the Lord, I sat in the pew and I wept. And I purged and I wept. that were beyond my control. God wasn't done yet because even though I had to grieve all that and I had to get rid of all of that, he wasn't done with me. I had to forgive. Hardest thing in the world. And it wasn't forgiving my parents. It was forgiving myself. Because as I had grown older, Anger, resentment, bitterness, jealousy, all of those things had crept into my heart. God can't live there if those things are there. I had true peace when I asked God to forgive me for my part in what had happened. And I can honestly tell you, I am completely at peace. I have forgiven my father. I have forgiven my mother. I have forgiven my stepmother. In fact, my father last year actually went to church (laughs) and called me to tell me that he had gone to church and then told me that he discussed his divorce with the pastor. Forty-seven years it took. And like Job, I find praise in everything. 
God is going to use everything to change who you are. But you got to get all that out of there. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is for you too. And it's, it's, it's remembering what God's done in your life, and it's also knowing other people's stories that he uses. Does that in, I know there's pain, but does that also inspire and encourage? And you need to remember, whether you were saved as a 5-year-old or a 15-year-old or a 35-year-old, you need to remember what God has done in your life and use it to encourage others, but use it also to motivate you to do something faithful for him today. Now, here's the second thing. Serving Jesus means sacrifice. There is no way to be a faithful, obedient servant of Christ without sacrifice. Just as it takes different shapes for different ones of us, but it's always there. Here's the thing. Sacrifice always brings blessings in God's timing. And if, if you've been willing to trust him enough to make those sacrifices in the past, and you remember, you remember those, then you identify those blessings that can encourage you. When God speaks to your heart today and says, hey, here's another one I want you to make. Here's something else that you're going through. Here's something else that you need to do to serve me today. You, you'll say, right, I, you know, I know there's some sacrifice here, but it's always, it always, it always ends up with blessing, with blessing. Look at what he says in verses 33 and 34, and we, we have the verses up here on the screen. Their sacrifices being made a public spectacle, publicly being reproached because they were followers of Jesus and, and, and being persecuted and suffering tribulations. We, I, I don't know what they were. I just know there was some public humiliation and public pain because they were followers of Christ. And he says, not only that, some of you who weren't going through it, you went over and stood beside those who were. And therefore, you, you took it upon yourself. You didn't run and hide. You encouraged one another, and you walked together. Sympathy to the prisoners? You, you visit someone thrown in jail for their faith. Guess what? All of a sudden, they know now who you are. Seizure of your property? Government coming in and taking what is yours? Maybe neighbors taking what is yours as a form of persecution? And he says they did it. They, they, they endured it. Look at, look, at, look, at, look, at, look at that. It's just, it's just an amazing thing. Let's go to the next slide and see their blessing at the end of that verse. You endured it because you knew, listen, you knew you had something better. You, you have with Christ something better than what anybody takes from you. You have with Christ something better than anything you might give up to follow and obey Christ. You'll never know the better You'll never know the better if you're not willing to give up what already is. A lasting one doesn't wear out like a new car. It lasts for eternity. And I, I love the word in verse 36. Let's go on and look at verse 36. He said, you, you, you have to obey the will of God before you receive the promises of God, the blessings of God. And here's something beautiful. That word that word receive is the idea that, that you have something, you pick it up, and you carry it with you as you go so you can enjoy it. Now get the contrast. Here are believers having their personal possessions seized and taken from them, earthly things. 
But the blessings of God are things you carry with you wherever you go and no one can take those from you. And sometimes there's spiritual blessings down here. Ultimately for all of us, there are heavenly blessings yet to come. They are always there. And then here's the third lesson. When you, when you obey God, when you, when you do the will of God, when you're willing to sacrifice for God, you know what happens? Your faith gets bigger. The more you see God at work and his hand in your life and, and God come through, the more you obey him and, and you say, hey, this is fun, even when they're sacrificed. The more you walk with him in obedience, the bigger your faith grows. Here, here's the thing. Your faith can never be any bigger than it is right now if you are not willing to obey God in the now. If you're not willing to do what God's already speaking to you about, your faith can never be any bigger than it already is. It grows through exercise. It grows through obedience. It grows through trusting in what you already know to do. It's not something that you get on your knees and pray about and all of a sudden God magically pours something in you that you've never experienced before. You have to use the faith muscle you already have and then it'll grow stronger. That's how God works. That's his economy of growing faith. And that's why he said in verse 35, don't, 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 don't throw away your confidence. Remember, you see all those times you've heard all those stories, what God has done. Don't, don't throw that away. Because if you remember it and you cling to it and you let it inspire you for the now, there's reward that comes. There are additional blessings that come. So don't, don't throw all that away in the moment. That, that word confidence is an interesting word in the, the original language. It's really, it really comes from putting two Greek words together, one meaning all and the other meaning speech. And the idea of confidence is when you have this bold faith, listen, when your faith is growing, you know what that means? You're not intimidated. You may, you may be making sacrifices, but you're not intimidated. And you, you just speak, you're all speaking, all speaking is what it means. There's a boldness to say, this is who I am. There's, there's a boldness to say, I'm not ashamed of Christ. There, there's a boldness to say, I love Jesus. There's a boldness to say, he's my Lord. There's a boldness to say, yeah, I'm following him. I'm living in his will. There's a boldness to say, he's the way, the one and only way. There's a boldness to talk about his love wherever you are. Because that goes hand in hand with growing faith. And God says, when you obey me, that's, that's what I'll do in your life. That's what I'll create in your life. I'll grow your faith. I want you to hear from another missionary at this time. And I'm going to ask uh, uh, Brother David uh, Miller to come on and join me up here. And um, he, th they recently retired uh, as missionaries serving in Guatemala, in Central America. And... Uh, but you weren't always a missionary, were you? Why don't you share your story with us today? When I came to know the Lord as my Savior as a teenager, the Lord placed in my heart a love for missions and a desire to serve God, and, and I knew the call of God was on my life. And uh, as years went by and I met Glennis, I found a lady the Lord had done the same thing to, and God sent us out in ministry. And for almost 40 years, we served in churches like this. Uh, I was a minister of education. <clears throat> And uh, honestly, as, as I went through those years and I, and I got to my mid-50s and I was headed toward the fourth quarter, <laughs> uh, 
I, I said, Lord, I want to keep serving you and, and, and I want to do good and, and, and be faithful, but I believe there's something I can do in these last 10 years that might be a little less intense than this and, and, and a little easier than this. And so I started just looking and listening for a way that I could serve God, but, but do it in a way that was just a little less intense than that church staff in, a, in an aggressive church. And I had my devotions on each morning, and I, I sat there on the sofa, and I, and I was reading in Joshua. And I got to Joshua chapter 1, and I read down to verse 9, and, and there it was, the, the Lord said, David, I want you to be courageous. I want you to be strong, valiant. I don't, I don't, want, you to, I don't want you to end with ease. I want you to end with strength. And, and with that, God started laying on my heart. We'd, we'd gone to Guatemala many times and other places with mission teams, and, and, and we were content just to take folks out uh, on, on mission teams. And we thought we could just end doing that and just enjoy doing that in the last 10 years or so of ministry. And the Lord said, we want you to go with a one-way ticket. It's time to go, and it's time to serve me full time. That meant selling a house and giving it all away and, and leaving at that age of our lives. Well, I negotiated with the Lord. I really did. See, I'd never had a day of Spanish in my life, and I knew the Lord was calling us to Central America and, and I'd never had a day of Spanish. Now, I knew some Spanish. I knew restaurant Spanish. <laughs> Enchilada, burrito, taco. That, that was my Spanish. But I'd never been. And I was 57 years old. But God made it clear. I, in, in negotiating with the Lord about, about that column and, and the, the mountain of Spanish to learn. And I was reading in Samuel. And I read David and Goliath, the story of David and Goliath. And as I read that story, you know why they told David he couldn't face Goliath? They said, you, you can't do that because you're just a youth. And when I read that, the Lord said, do you see what they said to him? They told him he can't do that because of his age. And that's exactly what you're saying. But the battle was not David's. Mm -hmm. The battle is the Lord's. Well, at 58 years old, and Glennis was 56, we found ourselves in Costa Rica learning Spanish for a year, for the first time learning to speak a new language, and then in 2009 going into Guatemala and moving about that country, speaking Spanish because the Lord empowered us and helped us, moving and now seeing churches planted there and the advance of the gospel that's there. Folks, it's sweet. It is so sweet to, to see what God has done when we said yes to him. As I was looking out on the congregation this morning here, I, I see a lot of folks with snow on top. I, I see you uh, out there. <laughs> and, and a lot of us may disqualify ourselves because of some circumstances or, or place in our life. Let me tell you, you know who you look like? You look like the folks who came and served with us on mission teams in Guatemala. Every one of you do. You look like the missionaries we worked with in Guatemala who were serving there, folks just like you. What a blessing it is to, to, to come to this season of life and to know it's so sweet to say yes to the Lord Jesus no matter what stage of life we're in. Amen. Thank you, David.
And uh, I, I guarantee, and he'll, he will agree with this, he has more boldness and more faith today than he would have had today if he had not obeyed God when he was 57, 58. Right, brother? And, and that's what God is saying to all of us. I've worked in your life in the past, but what I've done in the past is not sufficient. It's not a substitute for the present. Be inspired by it. Encouraged by it. Learn from it. But, but don't use it as a justification for saying, today, God, it's okay if I just am, am, am where I'm at. It's okay if I'm, if I'm stagnant. It's okay if I'm not moving forward. It's okay if I'm not growing. It's okay if I'm not serving. It's okay if I'm not doing. Because the truth is, it's not. It's not. Hearing the voice of God and doing the will of God, whatever season of life, whatever stage of life, that's what's important. And, and yes, he, he does different things with us at different times, and his will can move here and move there and shift in ways we don't expect. But, but the one constant is it's him and it's his work, and our call is to obedience. Our call is to love. Our call is to trust him no matter what, no matter when. And so Jesus said, remember, not, not to camp back there, but remember what I've done in your life so you can be encouraged to do something for me today. And we're going to ask each and every one of us to make some commitments now. God's, God's speaking to hearts. God is talking to our minds and to our souls. And there are, there are things that many of us in this room are already thinking about that, that God is saying, hey, here's what I'm trying to, to tell you. you. You hear his voice and, and you know it. And I want you to, to settle that in your heart today, that whatever God's asking, you don't run from it. You run to it. Even if there's sacrifice involved, you see the joy that is beyond the sacrifice, the reward, the blessing that's beyond the sacrifice, and you obey Him today. Never, 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 never hear the voice of God and look the other way. Obey Him. And to bring it home just a little bit more, I'm going to ask you to, to get that commitment card right now that Jamie mentioned earlier that's in the chair pouches on this side and we're given to you as you came in on, on this side and get a pencil. And I want you to, to look at that and fill it out. And in just a moment, we're going to have these ministry partners and missionaries standing here at the front and asking you to bring these with you and place them in some boxes that they're going to be holding. So would everybody right now, please, every person, get your commitment card out, the pencil that's in the chair pouch in front of you, and you'll see there's three, there's four commitments we're asking you to, to make this morning. One commitment is to pray, to pray for the missionaries that are in the booklet that we've been passing out in recent weeks, to pray also about your role in, in impacting lostness here in Rock Hill. So go ahead and get your card and, and make your commitment. Just fill it out there on prayer. And secondly, to go, to go, to prayerfully consider participating in one of the mission trips planned this coming year, 2018. To, uh, and, and you can see there or which ones they are or to make a commitment. When, when your Sunday school class is doing a, a ministry project or a service project or a benevolence project or a mission project locally in our community, to participate in one of those. When, when our church, for instance, when we do Servolution, when we church-wide just say, how are we going to love on this city? 
that you take that Friday evening, you take that Saturday morning, you take whatever day of the week, and you participate. Don't, don't, don't just watch from a distance, but you help us love on people and serve people in Jesus' name and to give. None of these who serve on the mission field could do it without the giving of, of God's people. And they're sacrificed. They're sacrificed not only in their lives but in our giving. But that's what we as God's people do. We sacrifice out of love. We, we, I, I'm going to tell you, when, when you hear stories like Susan's, and you know one of the great things about heaven is you're going to have forever to hear story after story after story after story after story after story like that of what God did to change people because some of his people here were faithful and prayed and went and gay and i'll tell you the joy of that forever will be a whole lot better than that new dress you're going to buy i'm just saying to give and life commitment if god can speak to david at age 57 he can speak to any of us at whatever age we are there are people here that god's speaking to about doing something different with your life you know there's a a lot of literature written in recent years about how we spend most of our adult years up into our 50s focused on on how do we how do do we provide for our family how do we provide for retirement how do we achieve how do we move up in the company how do we get ahead how do what do we all all of this but people who are wise Spend that last season of life focused not on achievement, but on significance, on making a difference. Because we reach a season in life when, when we understand there are some things more important and, and we, we need to live our lives in such a way that we're impacting this world, that we're impacting the lostness, that we're impacting the kingdom of God. Because significance matters so much more than accomplishment. One lasts, the other doesn't. And so as you fill out your commitment card, I'm going to ask our missionaries and ministry partners to come to the front now and take their spot. And I'm going to ask the congregation to stand with me and bring your commitment cards to these missionaries and place it in the basket. I'm also going to ask... Brother Jamie and myself are here at the front as pastors. And there are other decisions that need to be made. Some of you need to join First Baptist Church and commit yourself to help us do in this place what God's calling us to do. Others need to request baptism. And there are people in this room who need to give your heart to Jesus, give your life to Jesus, and let him heal you the way you heard Susan talk about. So as we sing, come to brother to me or Brother Jamie here and say, today I'm coming to Christ, I'm joining the church, I'm asking for baptism. Or just get on your knees here at the altar, here at the kneeling bench and pray. But everybody, bring your commitment cards to one of these missionaries right now as we sing together. You come. <laughs> 